Hello, hello. <laughs> one, two, three, one, two, three. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Wedgies Podcast. How we doing, boys? Good star. Great week. Got the Christmas spirit. Got the Christmas spirit, and that's kind of what I think we'd love to start talking about today. What do you guys got on the on the Christmas list? I, The older I get, the harder it is to figure out what I need for Christmas and or want. Because I feel like I'm at that stage where like I can kind of get whatever I want. And it's, really? That must be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm financially free. <laughs> I'm Don't still worried about that. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but just like, like, you know, as a kid, <laughs> you obviously can't just go get whatever you need. And I feel like that makes it hard. But then also it's like the older you get, the weirder you feel about like having a list of things because you're just getting older and older and older and you need less, less and less, at least in my opinion. But So what do you have on your list? Um, I had, this also makes me feel like I'm getting older. A toiletry bag was like one of the things I put. Bougie. Yeah. I've had the same Axe body spray toiletry bag since I was like 12. From Christmas. Yeah. That mom, that mom. (laughs) I remember. Our mother gave us. And with as much traveling as we do, I feel like a 12 year old boy still every time I pull it out of my luggage. So that's one of the things on my list. Nice. I think mine's from the clearance rack at Target. So if you're looking for one, that's that's where you go. How about you, Tana? What's on your list? Um, I'm gonna. This is not on my list, but I'm hoping that somebody gets it for me. Okay. So Does that th- make sense? Basically, you're adding it to your list right now. I'm so adding it to my list. Listeners right now. of the podcast. Ooh, there's like fun stuff, whatever. But then there's like stuff that you need. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And this one's been on my list for a while, and I'm not making this up. I'm being dead serious. A a bidet. Okay, I am all in on this with you. A bidet, yeah. it's it's the more you use a bidet or come in contact with bidets in your life, yeah. the more necessary it starts to become. I, I am all in on this with you. I don't understand how it's not a cultural thing here. Oh, it's got to be. We're so behind in in that in that department, in the rear department. <laughs> we are we're, we're so in behind. The rear. Yes. We're so we're behind. so behind. We're in the rear. There's so, a lot of ways this joke can go. I mean, I lived <laughs> In Argentina for a little while, right? And right. that's where I was introduced to it. And it's cultural there. Right. They, they all have it. Like, okay. toilet paper's not... I mean, they have toilet paper, too. But, like, you, everybody has a bidet. Okay. The rich, poor, doesn't matter. It, it's, it's part of it. And so that was my first instance using them, and it completely changed my life. See, and I don't know why we don't use them here. I really, really don't. And I know that people Caden's go, shaking his head. I don't no, know if I will tell you why. the bidet thing. Have I'll you tell used you one. Yes, I've used one in Honduras. Properly. Yeah, I've used one okay. in Honduras, and I've used one in Hawaii. Actually, wow, are the only two well times I've buying what he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Post hey. Nice. <laughs> hey, follow. You know, click the link in bio. Uh, well, go ahead and follow. Yeah. yeah, subscribe. He's doing a course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> um, the one in Honduras was excellent. It was just a nice. Yeah, right. gentle, mm-hmm. gentle You've experience. Used one before you know. Yeah, of course, of course. The We're one in Hawaii about. was a laser beam straight into. Okay, now listen. The uh, depths. There's levels to it, and you get what you pay for. So okay, but this one in Hawaii was like full, like like robotic arm, and then it was laser beam straight at me, scared the shiz out of me. Literally, literally. Um, yep, that's what they're made to do. No, I- <laughs> <laughs> well, it it makes me a little nervous that neither of you. Had anything golf on your lists? 
So I think I'm here to help you out. I actually had a rangefinder on there too. But... Did you have a rangefinder on your list? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just think I was trying to think of impact day to day. You know, just daily. Yeah. Like, like look but good, also, feel good, play good. You we know gotcha. get yeah. so much golf stuff. It's crazy. Well, I don't. I have so many hats. Could never want one again. So many polos. Yeah. Could never want one again. Have clubs. They're doing great. They're relatively new. Don't need those for next little while. So working in the golf space, I feel like we get so much stuff that I'm like, I don't need to ask for this. So we need to go into the toiletry bathroom space. Yes. Maybe you're just not thinking creatively enough. And luckily, our friends at Town & Country Magazine have put together a nice little list here of the 65 gifts for the golf-obsessed man in your life. So if you're looking for some... Golf ideas. I mean, there's there's some good stuff on here. You know, you got your classic monogrammed golf ball uh, marker. Right, right, right yeah, that's, yeah. That's a classic. Get your initials on there. Right. Um, maybe a golf bag tag. You sure. know, just so you can look like you're part of a country you could club. Play in the long day challenge and get one, or you could get one from somebody for Christmas. Yes. Exactly. Speaking of the long day challenge. Say. Yeah. Signups are live. Yeah. We're Sign-ups we're, are live. We're last going, last podcast episode. Yep. I, I think we were just going live, or I think we, that day is yeah. the day before or yeah. something. Yeah, they're live. they're live, they're up, it's filling, and it's we're not just fast. saying that. Actually, it really is. Um, <laughs> good on um, but I think what I wanted to go through is, is it kind of is an example of what a lot of non-golfers think. Think, think golfers golfers want. want. Yeah. Do you guys have like the worst golf gift you've ever been given? Do you guys have something you could say for that? Mm. I don't think here. <laughs> I think I've given bad gifts to my dad. <laughs> okay. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm old enough to have received these. I mean, a lot of these. Yeah. You know, For I mean? example, I think I'm with you. I've given. Yeah. Pre. I remember we gave. For example, my dad. I think it was. It was a uh, a putting mat that went around your toilet. Right. I've seen that one. So that you could putt, practice your putting. So while, get, while get, get this. I actually gave that away at my friend's white elephant gift exchange mm. like last week. Was that exact Oh, like same last thing? week. So I think what? Yeah. Recently. Some of these gifts are on the right track to golfers as in putting when you're on the toilet. But what we really want is that jet coming up from the toilet. Okay. Really, really big toilet episode today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're getting older, man. We're getting older. <laughs> Different things on the mind. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I think we can uh, maybe jump into our topics then for what we want to talk about today and uh, get off the toilet (laughs) conversation. Um, But I think uh, obviously the first topic that I wanted to get into today was the biggest news probably in professional golf right now, which is John Rahm announcing he's going to the Live Tour. Now, obviously, this was... A bit of a shock to a lot of people. I'll say personally, when I started to see the rumors going around and people talking about, hey, John Rahm might be going, I I was a little bit surprised. Obviously, with the money that's getting thrown around, you can't be too surprised anymore. But I was a little bit surprised considering some of the previous statements that he had made. Um, you know, there were some statements last year or earlier this year, even that about he made. him being like super dedicated and kind of a traditionalist. Well, well one of wasn't an issue, one of the right? exact uh, statements was having to do with yeah, money wasn't an issue, and that he. He doesn't play golf for the money and that he appreciates mm-hmm. golf. You know, he just, that kind of money wouldn't really change his life that much because he makes a lot as is. Yeah, like and then goes. you look this, yeah, this can, year where I he mean, gets... I mean, we can speak to the same issue. <laughs> yeah. Money's money, okay? 
but you know, he gets on just after signing, it's up on, you know, the Pat McAfee podcast or um, on ESPN. And he stays, you know, when they ask him, why'd you make the switch? He is very honest and says the money played a big part of it. And I think where this kind of, and the part that I wanted to talk about today is, is less about, you know, why did Rom make his decision? Cause I don't know if anybody of us know enough about what's going on in his life to fault him or talk about any of that kind of stuff about why he made that decision. Right. But more just I wanted to get your guys' reaction on what you think this could mean for the larger landscape of professional golf with the live and with all of that. Um, kind of along with that news, there's also rumors, and this maybe hits harder for us because it's local local guy, but um, rumor on uh, – or word on the street is that uh, Tony Finau is the next player to jump. And so – just from that news alone, like that changes the landscape for us. Yeah. Cause you know, hometown, there, there are, there have been some great golfers come out of Utah, uh, throughout, you know, the history of the PGA, but like Tony's, Tony's gotta be the, the top guy ever. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having that kind of hometown hero to root for personally, I don't want to root for him on the live tour. Uh, and so if that happens, that'll change a lot for me. I think, I mean, I'm still, I'll be honest, a little bit confused as to where everything's at uh, with the leagues slash league, you know? Yeah. Talking about that a little while ago. And for some reason, it feels like guys going over now, at least to me, I don't know, guys going over now isn't as big of a deal as it was with the first ones. Yeah. Months ago. Like, Like, it almost feels to me and what I've seen like, I mean, it's it's polarizing, right? There's people on both sides still, but most of what I'm seeing almost looks like a good for John Rom, go get that bag type of vibe, rather than you you traitor, you defector, this is terrible for the game. It seems more accepted. I guess that's what I'm trying to. I say. I think, and I I think a large part of of where that's coming from is, for better or for worse, I think some trust or some uh, confidence has been lost in the PGA Tour from yeah. the players. Um, you look at a lot of the stuff that's happened with the policy board, you know, Rory McIlroy leaving the board earlier this year. Um, there's been reports, I know, from from Dan Rappaport of, of Barstool saying that some of the players and sources that he has access to are sitting like Patrick, Patrick Cantlay is kind of stepping in to take a large, um, a large amount of responsibility and kind of... And if that's the decisions. case, there's so many players that don't like Patrick. Patrick's a polarizing player, for sure. And that's and that's a question where it's kind but of like... But for, for him to lead the PGA Tour... Because like Rory, for example, Rory's one of those guys where like there's very, very few people outside of the PGA and inside the league that like don't like him. Right. At least from what I can tell. And Patrick, like, I can't remember what tournament it was earlier this year, but like the whole entire league was just like ripping him apart for how slow he was taking. Well, he was getting in trouble for the Ryder Cup, was he not? Lots of different stuff. And I, I think the, the big thing there not was wearing that the hat. earlier this year, everyone was able to say that Liv was the wrong move because the PGA Tour was the right move. Yeah. And I think that has become a less confident statement in a lot of people's minds is do we truly trust that the PGA Tour as it's currently constructed, can still serve as that perfect solution. And I, again, I'm not close enough to the situation to know either way. Um, I think my biggest concern in all of this, you know, previously it was, oh no, Liv is the big, the big shark. Um, I think my biggest concern now is just that this opportunity and this kind of division 
might cannibalize the sport a little bit where the fighting in between it. Because you look at any sport, you know, for example, like you guys know, I'm a big fan of Formula One. And the reason that Formula One has had this crazy rise the last few years was because of the Netflix show. Right. Which all that did was introduce you to the storylines and the personalities and the character of the athletes. Whereas now, you know, golf is losing that ability to tell that story. The more fragmented we get, the more teams we get, the more all of this different stuff. The story of what the PGA Tour and professional golf as a whole is kind of goes away. And, I mean, I'm a little nervous. Like, I love Jarbron. I love – I think he's a great guy. I love his personality. I love who he is. And I'm now worried that, like, I'm not going to have the same ability to follow his career as I previously did. Mm. Um, just because a lot of those guys you know I haven't seen much – nearly as much about, you know, Kepka, DeChambeau, right. these guys as when they made that switch. And so I'm nervous that as this happens, do we get to – stay tapped into the lives and the careers of these players like we once were. I don't think so. And kind of like you're saying, yeah, it's, it's, if the whole sport of golf changes to that, then like, I think it's going to lose a huge audience because I don't know. It's just one of those things where like, like I've been a Ricky Fowler fan my whole life. He's never been a great player. He's had a couple wins on tour, but like he's an icon, right? He like, he changed the game for, like, our age growing up, whether he was good or bad. Yeah, made it cool. And, like, Tiger was the same way back in the day. Rory's that same way. And I feel like in this team kind of event, like, there's – yeah, you could play well individually, but at the end of the day, you could play well and your team could still suck. Yeah. And so there's no, there's no spotlight on you, I guess. Yeah, and that's – I guess it's just something that we're going to have to kind of let itself play out. Yeah, we don't have any bearing on what happened. No. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, real, we'll video it if we have to. <laughs> real quick, though, because I last before we change the topic, For sure. I do want to get you guys like one or two sentence statements of what you think changed. Because Rom's original statement in June 2022 was, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that has been going for hundreds of years. Truth be told, I could retire right now with what I've made and live a very happy life and not play golf again. So I've never really played the game of golf for monetary reasons. And then in part of his statement as to why he switched, he said, uh, uh, talking about the money, it's one of the reasons. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It's definitely one of the reasons. Right. What changed? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think a little bit of it is probably just the public perception of it, as I mentioned before, I think has lightened up just a bit, which makes that decision a little bit easier to take. Mm -hmm. And like if there was no controversy around it and those figures were there, who wouldn't go? Right. You know what I mean? It, it's just that like public perception, in my opinion. How will I be perceived if I say yes or if I say no? That's what it's about, their personal yeah. brand and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that's lightened up just a bit. And then like, I appreciated that he said, I'm not going to lie, the, the money, the money's cool. Like, at the end of the day, like, I feel like it's human nature to want more. Everybody for sure wants more. So even if it's on the table. You know, he's a father. He has a responsibility to right. his family to do that. Generations and stuff, too. And I, and I think that's great, you know, if that's where the mindset is and stuff like that. Is setting my kids up, setting their kids yeah. up, setting the family name up. Definitely. Like, with, with the time that I have right now to be impactful and, and to make this happen. Um I think those maybe some reasons why it changed for him. Well, sorry, before you go, for sure. I know another big P 
piece of that was he secured his master's victory, which gives him exemption in the next four, I think. Four or five. He gets exemption. Or no, he's lifetime yeah. in the master's. You win, you get lifetime exemption. And then it's it's the next five years of other majors. Yeah. And so he has that ability to play in the other majors, which I think that's what everybody's which after anyways. Seen that that's where people, at want least people to, to that want caliber, to want to play. So like, I'm sure that changed his decision. Um, cause how sweet is that? You go make 302 up to 500 million, yeah. uh, playing these team events where you don't really have to exert yourself a crazy amount. And then you still get to play in the biggest tournaments of the year on the PGA side. I think for me, I think a lot of that plays into it, but just from the reports I'm seeing and kind of the conversations that I've seen happening around to me, it has to be the uncertainty of where the sport is going. Yeah. Um, so cash obviously out. you look at, you look at when the PGA tour is currently going through a round of funding, you know, with groups like the Fenway group and all these different sports investment groups that are trying to put money into the tour to honestly keep it solvent, keep it going yeah. and allow it to survive. But you look at that happening and then you look at, even with those, those conversations being had, you know, there's some negotiations with the PIF and with the live tour. It seems like the confidence level that the PGA Tour is going to figure this out might be getting lower. And if I'm in his situation where I have those kind of figures on the board and those kind of figures being offered to me, and I don't know if the other side is even going to exist or be able to survive much further, to me it's a no-brainer to take the cash and, yeah. and make it make out with it. And so, again, it's he's lucky where he's in that position where he is a big enough name and a big enough figure for the sport. Um, I, I mean, and at this point, like what Liv's been able to do, you got to give him credit. Like, I think I saw a stat the other day that like the last 10 years, half of the major winners are now in Liv. And so we're now at the point where it's, it's kind of 50, 50 on which league has the better athletes. And one of them's obviously got more money and that's, that's a scary sight. So We'll see what's next. Obviously, again, Tony Hatton. There's a few different names being thrown around at who's next. Um, but with, I believe it's the 21st, and don't quote me on that, but I know here in December there is a deadline, according to the original negotiation between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Of players of, of a contract deadline. Oh. And so with that contract deadline coming up, I mean, this feels like a little bit of a nail in the coffin for, for the tour on how can they respond to that and how can they – tell the guys who are going to stay that it's the right move. So we'll see what happens. I know Rom's already said he's going to go in and try and change the, the structure of the, of the live tour. He doesn't, he kind of wants to change how it's set up, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I know you got something else you want to talk about. Yeah. So another golf related news, big changes again. Uh, there are rumors that Tiger Woods could be leaving Nike. So he's, Obviously had this 27-year-long partnership that is rumored to have been uh, worth up to $500 million. Um, and so, I mean, I know he's made a few switches. Obviously, Nike stopped making clubs in 2016, and he switched to TaylorMade at that point. Uh, after his injury, he's been wearing foot joys, and a lot of people were concerned about that. Um, but, yeah, word on the street is that the PNC Championship is the last time we will see tiger donning the nike swoosh and of course that's according to the the no laying up podcast is what mentioned yeah that. no layups podcast yep. yep and so uh what is what does that mean um 
well, for Nike, for golf, for Tiger, for kind of the whole golf apparel space in general. Because, again, more to that, there are also rumors saying that there is an existing golf um, equipment company that is going to release a, I don't know if it's going to be branded under the same name or a separate company that is like performance apparel for, for golf. So just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on kind of that whole situation. Um, I, think, I think it's an interesting time to, to be happening. I, with the like, collab culture that we see and with the golf industry where it's at and, and the drops and the releases that have come from like brands that aren't directly touching sport or golf, it makes sense business-wise to me for a club manufacturer, for example, or some business in the golf space to start creating apparel since 7-Eleven is, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and other people, like, why, why, why wouldn't we do it too? And if they've already got relationships with athletes and contracts with athletes on maybe the gear side or whatever it may be, let's loop them into what we're doing. Let's keep them all under the same roof, right? Like this guy is a, for example, like tailor-made guy, we'll say. Which, which is the rumor that tailor-made right. is the one releasing so, this new line. I don't think that's a, that's a bad business decision whatsoever for tailor-made. And then whatever they're able to throw at Tiger to compete, like that's, that's up to them. Like as we just talked about with Rom, you know, as a player, take the money when it's there is kind of what it seems like people are doing, which is a no-brainer. Um, so that would... That would make sense. The only thing that it's going to affect is legacy, possibly. You know, and, and that's a different conversation. I think, though, that Nike isn't going to be as poorly off, honestly, if they lose him, as you might think. Like, Nike Golf, he is Nike Golf. But we've seen a huge increase in Jordan Golf over the last, especially year. And so... I would say just on the shoe side of things. No, I would say on all sides. Because I think I'm with Caden. I, I mean, haven't seen a whole lot of Jordan branded apparel out there other than the shoes. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of Jordan branded golf stuff. It's not always accessible, and you and I can get it, but it is there. And so I think if I, if I'm Nike and I'm and Tiger says he's going, I if it were me, I would find some younger athletes and stuff to throw on the Nike golf side. I don't think you kill it because there is a legacy there that he's helped create and that does have staying power. But I think they're set up in a really, really nice way to go after a different demographic with a different brand that's under their same roof. To be honest, I think I disagree. I think this for Nike would be a catastrophic loss. Um, For me, the Nike golf brand is Tiger Woods and only lives through Tiger Woods. Um, when Tiger left the equipment side and started playing different clubs, the equipment side was no longer able to survive and shut down. That's why they could just make clubs anymore. And if, as an OEM, they weren't able to survive, as far as making shoes and shirts and things like that, like that TW has more value than I think you know any of these collabs that they're doing with any of these guys could possibly provide them. So my question then, because, again... There's a lot to this story, and part of that, too, is that Nike's reportedly possibly shutting down their whole entire golf division. Mm. Um, How does a company like Nike not survive? How how do they not stay relevant in that space? 
with all the resources they have, with all the money they have, with all the athletes they have, like, how do they, how does that happen to a company like Nike in your guys' opinion? I wonder what Nike's. Do you think it's part of a longer term strategy or are they just, things are. I don't know. I, I wonder what their revenue looks like on the golf side. Like, for example, if they did choose to discontinue the clubs because it wasn't doing what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm cut the clubs out. You know what I mean? Like, it, like that's a business decision, right? If it's like, it's not going where we want it to go. It's not worth the resources or the time or the money or whatever versus what we're getting. That's a business decision. I don't think Nike's a company that couldn't keep Tiger, for example. Like if, if it was like do or die, this is pumping a lot of cash into the company and, and, and whatever. Right. Why wouldn't you sign? Why wouldn't they have signed him to these lifetime deals like Michael and LeBron and KD have on the basketball side. So, so here's I did a little, I did a little look up here. So what happened was Nike did make the decision to stop making clubs yeah, because yeah. it was stopping to do well. But at the exact same time, it was during the time that Tiger was no longer playing due mm-hmm. to his, his different uh, variety things. So it's kind of a little bit of both. When Tiger was no longer repping it on the course, it was at the same time they kind of said, hey, this is no longer worth our investment. Interesting. And it's just, again... I know we have like the Travis Scotts of the world and all these guys of the world like making these shoes. But if you, if you go to a course, yeah, you'll notice them a lot because they stand out. But that's not, you know, FootJoy is still crushing them in that department. And there's a lot of different companies that are still crushing them in these different <laughs> things. And so it's just a question of, again, they can still relevant. They can still do these drops that will be successful. But as far as being a mainstay that fills the shelves of a PJ Superstore or is in green grass where the real money comes from, I don't. I don't see long-term success in the golf space for them without a name like Tiger to keep them bolstered. Um, especially if, you know, if Tiger just went into the dark night and didn't create anything anymore, that's one thing. Right. But if he then goes out and puts his stamp elsewhere behind a TaylorMade or, you know, whoever, whoever this might be, even if it's, again, he's already wearing foot joys, it could be under a foot joy name as well. One of these brands that already have that trust and that respect from you know, the consumer, I think that's, you know, I buy Tiger's Nike stuff because of Tiger, not because of Nike. And if I can pair that with a foot joy where I might buy a foot joy because of foot joy and now I have Tiger or a TaylorMade and now I have Tiger, to me, more consumers will go that way. Personally. Yeah. I, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say is, would it hurt Nike? Of course. Yeah. I just think... If they didn't have the other stuff going, I feel like at that point they're dead in the water. Like they're out of golf. Right, and they'll still remain, but they're, I think, I think, I think my point is their footprint is much smaller. Oh, totally. They'll still be in golf. They'll still be there or whatever. But as far as like, hey, this is a good revenue model and this is a good, yeah, no. strong mainstay in what Nike does. I would agree. That's what's going to dip. That's I think they lose. do have some unique opportunities, luckily, that they can utilize, but it will not be what they've no. had. Of You're not going to have the black leather Nike with the TW on the, right. on the Victory lid. Victory Red. I, part of me wonders if they just failed to like adapt to this new generation of golfers. Cause like they're doing it on the shoe side of things, but like other than Jordan, like Jordan does have some pretty, I think newer, I don't know, like stuff that I see fits this new generation of golfer a lot more. I feel like Nike has always stayed kind of the same other than like they've introduced some new like patterns and stuff, but They've always just kind of been like that dry fit performance yeah. technology in golf, which from my perspective, and again, I want to know your guys' thoughts, like with all the companies we work with and stuff, it's 
it's going away from that. It's hitting lifestyle a lot heavier, and I wonder... Which is crazy, though, because Nike is, like, the lifestyle brand to a certain extent. I would almost say Jordan is. I wouldn't say Nike is necessarily. You see a lot more of the lifestyle stuff they have with the, with the Jumpman on it than you do the swoosh, in my opinion. But again, it's... it's, it's yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think... I think that's what's interesting is I almost wonder if part of this, which could be, you know, Nike's approach has for a long time been that performance side. And we are almost are seeing golf split between the performance side of your mm-hmm. TaylorMades, of your Callaway, you know, your OEMs that have been doing this for so long. And then you have your lifestyle brands. You know, you look at the Bad Birdies of the world. You look at Malden, all these different brands that are coming on that side that are more lifestyle focused and you can wear them on a course. And I wonder if, you know, either Nike didn't want to go that way or in going that way, that's where the Travis Scott's make a better partner or something like that. And so it's one of those things that, again, this is all rumored, so we don't super know how this is all going to fall. But it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. It just kind of further adds to, I think in general, when you look at the larger landscape of golf between, between the professional aspect and the amateur yeah, aspect of what we bought, what we purchase, and what we play, everything's in a big, big shift right now. I feel like there's just it's slowly everything's like it's separating those those two, the professional it's, it's and fragmented. amateur. It's, yeah, it's getting further and further apart. And it's I don't know. It's like it's never felt. I've never felt more distant than to the kind of golf my grandpa played and the kind of environment yeah. my grandpa was in. You know, where it's it's shifting a lot, which in some ways is. Fantastic. We needed to kind of have a shakeup, but at the same time, like it's now shaking up to the business perspective and it's shaking that kind of side. And we're going to see which companies, how companies react and how companies pivot in that. And when you have names like Nike and you have names like TaylorMade and FootJoy involved in those conversations, it really becomes a question of how are they going to react because they're going to shape the landscape. And that's going to be a conversation for what brands sink or swim. Yeah. I think um, you've meant we've talked about Nike. <laughs> yeah, you've said Travis Scott multiple times. I have. Helps that he's sitting on your laptop right now. I think that leads perfectly, <laughs> perfectly into my into my question yep. into my topic that I wanted to, to pose today. So mine's a little bit more on the marketing and and pop culture yep. side, um, not, not directly linked to golf, um, but obviously talking about some of these same characters, right? So um, over the weekend, um, some beef went down between Travis Scott and, and John McEnroe, which I kind of wanted to talk about and, and get your guys' opinions on. Uh, so to just quickly run through the timeline and what's even gone down is um, John McEnroe wore a shoe called the Nike Mac Attack at that time in the in the 80s. It um, was a tennis shoe. He played a ton of stuff in it, won a, t- a ton of stuff in it, so it's become synonymous with him. And whenever they stopped making it in the 80s was – when they stopped making it. They never retroed it. They never did anything. It stayed in that era. Um, and then more towards the beginning of this year, a couple months ago, um, Travis, a, a huge Nike collaborator, right? The biggest probably Nike collaborator right now, um, wore a pair to a game from the 80s because they didn't have any new ones, right? So he wore this retro pair and everybody was like, what in the world? A general retro okay. uh, of the shoe. And then everybody was like, okay, there's probably going to be a Travis collab with it because he was the one that did it. Sure right. enough, there is. He's worn them at concerts and stuff like that. And we've been waiting to know when they're going to come out and all of that stuff. Fast forward to yesterday. Rumor now says they're going to come out on the 19th of this month. 
the, the Travis pair, right? The collab. Right. Um, yesterday, a Instagram account that I had never heard of, but it says here is a well-known Instagram account called Lil Jupiter with two R's. Big old Lil Jupiter fan, oh, huh? Shout out to Lil Jupiter. Shout out Lil Jupiter. <laughs> um, posted a leak of a Zoom call between Travis, John, and some Nike execs talking about the name of the shoe. And so um, Travis's, I think his record label um, that, he, that he distributes everything through is called Cactus Jack, obviously synonymous with him, a nickname of his as well. Apparently John McEnroe wants to call it the, the Cactus Mac, this shoe specifically. Him and, and another exec had talked about doing that. They posed the idea to Travis in the Zoom call. He was against it. They go back and forth on why they both think it's a good idea or a bad idea. And then John McEnroe in typical John McEnroe fashion cusses him out, hangs up on the call, and leaves before it's over. Gotta love it. That goes up, and everyone's like, what's going on? Is this real or fake? That's the whole debate. And then hours after that, Travis Scott is just apparently on the Beaverton campus at Nike. As one often is. You know. We've all been. You know. Um, It's very easy to walk into that facility. (laughs) I mean, he can, right? But the fact that he, anyway, I don't know if he spends much time there personally. Um, Spray painted one of his logos over John McEnroe's plaque Mm. at that facility. In, in defiance. Okay. Those are what has happened. That's a series of events. That's where we're at today. Again, I mentioned the shoes rumored to come out in like a couple days, a week. Okay. All of the stuff starts mysteriously happening a week or two before the release of this shoe. Is it real or is it a marketing stunt in order to drum up hype for this collab that's about to release? Supposedly. You got that? Before you say anything. Yep. They just so happened to catch John in public with a matching shirt and shoes as they're asking him questions about the feud right. that they're He's in. By himself in the video, John. Yeah. Right? Coming from a coffee run. Right. And is incredibly kind and open to this stranger that is filming him asking <laughs> exactly. him questions. Which, which, yes. which is probably somebody from his team that yeah. filmed it. Like, how often is is... Michael Jordan out there wearing like a Jordan t-shirt that matches with his Jordan shoes for an upcoming upcoming release. Never. Well, he's never in the spotlight anyways, <laughs> but like, like it, it's right. just, it's co- like, that is corny to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it's like, okay, this is blatantly obvious. And then obviously like, well, the flip side, tra- Travis's response. Yeah. I, for me, like, I don't know if it's even a question for me on if this is real or fake. Like, I think it's a pretty obvious marketing stunt, which, you know, as marketers ourselves, as somebody who we do this day in and day out, like, you got to respect the idea. And kind of the, hey, let's do this soft launch. Let's do this leak. Let's kind of get it out there. <laughs> I respect the idea. I think the the hard part for me on this one is just it might be a little bit heavy. I mean, to be fair. We're sitting here and we're talking about it. Well, they got that's, us. That's exactly why I started laughing because they got me. Literally, I, well, yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this stupid Burger King uh, theme song. Yeah, about how everybody was like, "This is so stupid. It's the dumbest song ever. It's so annoying." I don't remember the last time I ate at Burger King. Nope. But in the last year or so since they released that song and started making memes about it. I have never talked about Burger King or sang a jingle so many yeah. times. So it's like, it might suck. It might be stupid. It might be super obvious. And it's the same thing with, uh, with, uh, the rumors about the, um, 
the grimaces shake. Grimace like, shake, yeah. Like people are saying that McDonald's was the one that started right. that and whatever. It's like which we actually it's have good it on, or bad. We've on good authority of someone who was on that campaign that that was completely on accident. They did not mean to have which, to happen at all. Amazing, which, right? Good on them. I think Fantastic. that's the only. But again, that's the like, only way it I think does it's proving it yeah. that like whether or not it's good, like or I guess marketing is more in this case, like such a strategic play to just like get people talking about it doesn't necessarily have to be a good execution, if that makes sense. And from my perspective on this one, like obviously, you know, John McEnroe is in a very, very large public figure, but not necessarily, I think for the same demographic that Travis Scott has. No, not at all. You know, they're not going to view him in the same light, but what they've been able to do with this again, whether it's intentional or not, is they're now able to, Give that group a reason to care and a reason to be involved and a reason to want to buy. Whereas if they had just released this as the, you know, the Mac attack relaunch or whatever, and not included kind of these same, some campaigns that they've done, I don't know if you would have seen the same response. And so now you have this opportunity to, you know, use this shoe as a platform to, you know, maybe you release another pair, maybe you release a golf version pair, whatever you release and to be able to get it into more hands that they would not have been able to otherwise. Whether or not it's obvious, whether or not we can sit here and call it corny or call it however we want to see it, gosh dang it, it worked. I think it's, I mean, it's lit up my Twitter feed, and I'm obviously, you know, in some of those spaces already. Right. So it's it's going to come across. I think it's interesting, though, the release schedule for, for these shoes, I, I think, has been interesting. That's a different conversation. We don't have to talk about that. Just, just the way that they've... Mm-hmm the products that they've positioned like like something that is very popular with Travis Scott shoes is they will have i mean it has a certain colorway it's a certain model uh we'll use the the Jordan 1 highs the first the first ones that he did the mochas the mo the mochas right the- i'm saying his very very first release yes yeah so he puts those out. It's hype. Super scarce. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants them. You can't get them. Fast forward a little bit. They put the mochas out, which look incredibly similar to them. The stock is larger. They're more attainable. But they've already previously drummed mm-hmm. up. Right. And, and, and tested that product out, if you will, on a limited audience. Made it, you know, desirable. And then they release a more consumer Friendly model, sell that out at a higher quantity, make more money, right? Sure. Famous for Travis Scott shoes. They put his out, then a slightly different rendition comes out for that. This one, they flipped it, and they put the, and they've renamed them to the Attacks this time, by the way. Nice. Instead of Mac Attack, which I don't understand why, but they did. Such a bad name. They put those out first, then they did a collab. Why is it escaping me who they collabed with? Um... On these same shoes? Yeah, they've already done a collab. Why am I forgetting who they did it with? Oh, my goodness. Um, social status okay. is who they did it with. Now the the Travis one's coming. Mm. So I think that's kind of interesting. I wonder if they're testing something there. But when the attacks came out, not the collab version, when they were first announced <coughs> that they were retroing the attacks a couple months ago, Travis was part of the marketing in that. Him and John McEnroe together, and the tagline for that whole campaign was "Rebel like the OG." Yeah, because yeah, that's what, what John does. Yeah. and now all of a sudden, before the collab release, there's all these rebellious. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's marketing. It's on it's on it's on theme with everything else, you know. With yeah, the, exactly. The name behind it with everything going on, and so 
don't know. I I personally, as much as I don't love the execution, gotta respect the success. But that's what I'm saying is like I think marketing is shifting into this interesting kind of space where like the execution i mean it's the same thing on social most companies now are looking for like ugc type content yeah. filmed on an iphone like the execution itself doesn't have to be beautiful and like engaging or i mean, I mean it's engaging but like mm-hmm. visually yeah, right for sure. i think with the jordan collabs that travis has done and in jordan in general there's like jordan as a character and john McEnroe as a character are different they both want a lot of things but like jordan's like his airness right and it's greatness and it's mm-hmm almost godliness in the sport, right? There's this prestige that surrounds it. That's his brand. That's what he's built. John McEnroe is, is different from that. Yeah. He throws chairs, yells at refs, <laughs> breaks rackets. And yeah, so I think I, it's funny that they're not just... And the sneaker market's kind of coming down a little bit from the heat that it was before. And so I give some props to Nike for trying to find different ways to Well, to it's been it. rinse and repeat for exactly. the last Instead of just saying, years. here's a model... From back in the day, ex Travis Scott, it's gonna suck. Throw it out there. Yeah. If you go exactly. back to, to what Caden was saying, I mean, you've got, you know, with the UGC stuff going and the marketing on social changing so heavily, it's requiring brands to be a little bit more creative in yeah. how they keep, you know, how do you keep that brand, that Jordan brand and that Jordan name and that kind of, you know, prestige in a market where, the videos that are working are iPhone videos. Yeah. The videos that are working are a little bit more guerrilla social. And I think this is an example of that is use the influence you have, use the names that you have to make it successful without really worrying about, you know, getting a production team out there and doing something crazy and spending yeah. four days on set, but rather using the messaging and the things that people care about in a way that they will resonate with. Yeah. Well, and one other question I wanted to bring up too, because I've thought about this on kind of on my own, like Travis Scott is the undisputed collab king right now, right? Like he's been in everything. First question is how the heck did he get that first Jordan shoe? Like that's always kind of blowing my mind because he's obviously huge in the hip hop space and he's a, he's a, he's an icon in, in a certain demographic, but how did he supersede all these other people that make more logical sense for that. And obviously it it boomed, it did crazy. So it's been able to continue, but moving forward after that, do you think it was him and his team actively reaching out to other brands to do the same thing? Or were they lining up at the door like McDonald's, like these other collabs with Nike? That's the thing is I think there must be something that these marketing teams see that we don't, whether it's the figures, the audience, the, the, the cash flow that comes from these that Travis specifically can bring that others can't. Because, I mean, you look at, there was a run there where Travis was in everything. He started the Nike collabs. He had the Fortnite collab. He had the McDonald's collab. Oh, yeah. And you had kids across the freaking world tuning into Fortnite to watch a virtual virtual concert. concert. His his Nike, his his McDonald's meal was the first collab, was the first person to have their own meal at McDonald's since Michael Jordan. It's crazy. And Michael Nike, Jordan was the McDonald's. Only one. Yeah. How those are like two of the biggest brands on the planet. And yeah. so it, I think it just And comes he weasel his way in there. It comes back to the success that you can have by marketing yourself. And yeah. By I think a brand he has a fantastic yourself. team. Which, you know, obviously it's a golf podcast. So to bring it kind of back to the golf side is what makes me so nervous about the PGA Tour live stuff. 
is if the platforms themselves get so diluted, how do you keep how do you how does any of these guys build a brand around themselves when nobody knows what it is or where it is they're going, you know? And that's that's what you know Tiger had done so well. And that's what a lot of these guys, Brooks was doing so well up until when he left Liv, and it kind of felt like that deflated a lot of it. And so it's just a question of like, when these athletes and these musicians and all these guys are able to build this strong of a brand, it allows them to make an influence beyond the world that they live and create that brand in so many more spaces. So you said you think it's corny from an ad side. I would, I would agree as well. I'm like, well, they've left all these holes where it's obviously fake. I think it was intentional, and I think that's no. Smart. I agree, and like like goes back to the original point. Doesn't matter if it was corny or not, because the execution is yep. not what, what matters at the end it's of the, the conversation. Day. It's the yeah, the buzz that it generates after, and so that's it. I yeah. agree. Well, good good chats, boys. Good chats. I think uh, we've been going at it. Looks like here about fifty ish minutes. So I think that's enough of our voices for one day. Yep. Um, but if for any reason you do want to hear more from us, um, make sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and then obviously this YouTube will be go- this uh, podcast will be going up live on YouTube, and you can uh, review it all there and see not only our voices but our faces and our shoes and the Mac attacks. Cactus Max? No, these are just these are just Joe Schmo Mac. These attacks. are just attacks. Attacks. Oh, just attacks. Yes. Well, there you go. But I like them very much. So if you want to see the attacks, <laughs> head, over, head over to the YouTube. Uh, and, of course, we'll be posting stuff on social uh, at Wedge Golf. And check us out. <laughs> <laughs>